0: So glad you could join us for the mornings at ycvc today we want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him so let's get into the word we're going to jump into the scriptures uh, if this version of the stream doesn't work what we'll be doing is i'm just going to keep going Uh, The computer will record it and we'll upload it as a separate video. Um, But I'm getting the thumbs up from David, so it seems that we're at least working at lower resolution. Um, So uh, Crystal's uh, got our Bible reading this morning. Uh, She's going to jump into that now. I'm going to have a quick glass of water and and, uh, a prayer, maybe a little cry, and uh, then we're going to get into God's Word. So thanks, Crystal, for reading our scriptures this morning. Good morning. Today's reading is from Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Thank you, Crystal, for reading this morning. Uh, Let's pray, and then let's uh, connect with God's word as I... Um, Carl, do you mind flipping, Carl's here now, uh, it's his birthday, he's rushed down to try and help us, um, but Carl, do you mind flipping onto the sermon slides on ProPresenter for me, uh, and I am going to pray uh, and try and remember this morning's message. Mm. God, we thank you that you are more faithful than a live stream by far. We thank you that you are more faithful than the sunrise. And so we've had hiccups aplenty this morning, Lord. But we thank you that there will never be a hiccup in your faithfulness or presence. And so, Father, I pray for myself now that, yeah, as we enter this sacred moment of of engaging with your word, I pray that you would help me to clear my mind of frustration and all of these difficulties and problems with the stream, and and that you would help me to focus on your word. Father, I pray that for all of us, that all of us who are connecting this morning, I pray that we've been able to reconnect, that, that things are working now, that there would be no distraction now as we come to your word. We pray that we would be transformed by it that we'd be renewed by it, that we'd be called into your mission through it this morning. Let us not let frustration and all these hiccups get in the way of what you have for us now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, So the world has changed. The world has changed very much so. Uh, One of those changes is Carl's a year older. So I do want to say a proper happy birthday to Carl. This was meant to be a morning off uh, for him. uh, And so he has come down to help us. Um, But the world has changed. Uh, Not just Carl been a year older. uh, Many of our lives have been turned upside down by the coronavirus and and the restrictions around that put in place to to help uh, control its spread. And so what we considered normal, what we were used to as normal, is no more. And so we might talk about things getting back to normal, but on many levels, things won't be what they ever were. They won't be back to the normal that used to be ever on many levels. And on many levels, that's a good thing. This season has reminded us of a lot of things, and we've been talking about those things over the last few weeks, about thankfulness, uh, about uh, focusing on the main things, and all those kind of things. And so what we're doing is not wanting to go back to the old normal, we're searching for a new normal, uh, the normal that God would lead us into. And so some things may return to the way that they were, but some things will be forever different. But one thing that hasn't changed and will never change until Jesus returns in his glory is our mission as his disciples. The great commission that was in that reading, that's what that, the heading that usually we get in our Bibles uh, for the reading that Crystal read this morning, the great commission is our mission. And when we think about it, when we think about the world changing, the, the world is very different now to what it was when Jesus gave this commission to his disciples. We're talking about 2,000 years The world has changed, in fact, over and over and over and over again since Jesus commissioned his disciples for mission. In fact, constant change is one of the most consistent things about the world. Uh, Jesus gave this commission when Rome ruled the the known world for for Jesus' disciples at that time. But Rome has, has risen and fallen. Other empires have risen and fallen. Jesus gave that commission at a time where, where travel was either by foot, by donkey or by wooden ships. And now we, well we used to a few months ago, fly around the world on carbon fibre uh, aeroplanes. Plagues have come and gone. Medical technology has advanced and, and we have... Uh, seen uh, the advent of antibiotics and and medicines that have suppressed many of the issues the world used to have medically, but but now we've got this new virus that has come. There have been world wars. Uh, We have the internet, which I'm feeling a little bit less thankful for this morning than I was last week. But we are still able to connect, and, and so the internet has changed the world significantly. The world has changed over and over again. But, but one thing that hasn't changed is our mission as Jesus' disciples. And so today I want to take a deep dive into our mission as followers of Jesus. I want to take a deep dive into the Great Commission. I want to take a deep dive into this moment that Jesus spent with his disciples. And so to fully grasp the, the Great Commission and to fully grasp its meaning, it's valuable for us, it's valuable for us to, to understand where we are up to in the story. In our own stories, in our own lives, we celebrated Easter about forty days ago, just over forty days ago. And so the scriptures tell us that, that after the events of Easter, after Jesus' death and resurrection, he appeared to his disciples and, and to many people for a period of forty days. And then he had this moment with the disciples on the Mount of Olives and uh, not in Matthew's Gospel but in Acts uh, and and the other Gospels we're told that that Jesus ascended into heaven uh, immediately after giving this commission. In in fact, in the timeline that that we're in, in in Easter through to Pentecost, which is next week where we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit, uh, Thursday just gone, Thursday the 21st of May would have been Ascension Day. Uh, the day in the, in the timeline that Jesus ascended into heaven. And so we are in this story, in our, in our own timeline through the year, we are in this story, we are in this moment in a sense that, that Jesus is having his last moment on earth with his disciples. If we look back to Easter, Jesus uttered from the cross, it is finished. And what that means is that his mission on earth Was finished. Sin had been conquered. Salvation was complete, and so that, pardon me, that all who call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. It is finished, but as finished as it is, as finished as Jesus' mission was, he also left unfinished business. That unfinished business is calling others from every nation into the salvation that was accomplished by Jesus on the cross. And it's that business that continues to this day. In this story, we, were, we are sitting between Easter and Pentecost. We are sitting at the last moment Jesus spent together with, with his disciples. And so that's the moment we dive into this morning in Matthew chapter 28. We dive into the last moment Jesus spent together on earth in body with his disciples. Acts tells us the story of Paul's encounter with Jesus, but he he himself describes it as one abnormally born. There's something different about that encounter. And so this is Jesus' last earthly encounter with his disciples. And and we're told in verses 16 and 17, as Crystal read, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but, but some doubted. And so these verses, I don't know about you, but at least to my mind, and I think often we treat them this way, they're often just considered a preamble to the Great Commission. It's just the context that gets us there. And so often it's skipped over. We could have had the temptation to start the reading at verse 18 when Jesus actually enters into his words. But I want to suggest this morning, and this has jumped out at me as I've prepared during the week, that there's two key challenges addressed in these preamble verses that are key for us to understand if the church is to maintain its capacity to stay on mission. They're held in these, these phrases. And, and so the first thing that is said here is that the 11 disciples went to Galilee. The 11 disciples If you know the the Gospels, you know that there were 12 disciples. And so here very explicitly, uh, Matthew, as he's recording the events of, of Jesus' last moment with his disciples, says that the 11 disciples went to Galilee to meet Jesus. And so who was missing? Of course, that was Judas. Judas who betrayed Jesus was missing but i think there's there's a significant thing for for us to grasp here in this understanding that there were 12 but now there's 11 because even jesus didn't keep everyone on board even jesus didn't keep everyone happy and together and so sometimes we need to let people leave if we're going to stay on mission Sometimes we need to be okay. It's always a grief. It's always a sadness. It's, it's not a celebration whenever anyone walks away. But, but sometimes we need to allow people to leave so that we can stay on mission. What I'm saying by this is, is how much energy does the church so often spend just trying to keep people happy? Only to discover we've lost track of the mission we're meant to be about. We've lost track of mission so often as a church, and I'm not just speaking locally, this is not a, a criticism of Yass Community Baptist Church in any means, but often the church throughout history has lost track of the mission pandering to personal preference. Uh, this is significant. This isn't just about Judas's betrayal in that moment. This, this is a deeper thing. I want to jump back a little bit in the story. As I said, it's important to understand where we are in the story. And so a couple chapters earlier, in Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 to 13, we read about this moment. It says, While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor will always, you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in her memory." And so that's this significant moment, and, and here we read in Matthew, I guess, this this summary of the moment that the disciples complain. But if we jump to John's Gospel in John chapter twelve, verse four and six, we get a more zoomed in version of this story. Here it says in John chapter twelve, verses four and six, it says, But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. And so Judas, not just at his betrayal, it wasn't just this failing at the end, Judas stood in opposition to the mission in his heart and so imagine if jesus had pandered to his preferences preferences for the poor imagine if jesus had gone "Oh, okay 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 we'll we'll try and save what's left in the alabaster jar of perfume and 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 we'll we'll sell what's left and we'll give it to the poor you're right judas Uh, please don't leave please don't leave We'll, we'll keep you you know we hear you we hear your concerns Imagine if Jesus had pandered to Judas's preferences only later to discover that, or to know, he probably knew in this moment anyway, but to know that, that Judas was simply just never going to be on mission. Uh, what I'm not saying is that everyone who leaves a church is Judas. I'm, I'm not saying that everyone is a betrayer of Jesus if they move from one church family to another. Sometimes it's, it's about Uh, People being in the right church for them and the right family for them where where they're home and they connect. Uh, What I'm not talking about, I'm not wanting to heap judgment on people who may move on. What I'm trying to address is our attitude sometimes and my attitude as a pastor sometimes we get into where we've got to keep everyone happy and and we're anxious about that and we're, we're thinking about that and we lose track of mission. See, the church exists for worship like Mary poured out with this perfume, and it exists for mission. The church does not exist to keep everyone happy. And so my job as a pastor is primarily about keeping us on mission. And I confess and I repent this morning that I've spent too much energy and anxiety wasted on worrying about keeping people happy and so it's not just it's not a reality i'm not saying that oh i get so many complaints and i'm i'm bogged down with keeping people happy i'm talking about my own heart and my own mind and my own fears and anxieties that i've spent too much mental energy focused on keeping people happy and in rather than keeping our focus on mission i know i and perhaps pushing some buttons, triggering some stuff this morning. And the reason I know that is because this is very triggering for me. My desire is to keep everybody happy and I care about this whole church family and, and it's when someone chooses to move on, that's a, that's a moment of great grief for me. And we might say, well, what about the lost sheep? What about... Caring for the hurting and the broken. And I would say yes and amen. As a pastor, my calling, my, my job is certainly to care for the broken. To, to lead us to Jesus that he might bind us together. It, it's certainly to, to seek after, as Jesus would, the, the lost sheep that wanders away. But what we need to be careful not to do is mix up trying to keep Judas in the church, trying to keep those who are not on mission in the church with caring for the hurting and broken. Sometimes it's tricky to know the difference between the two and we'll make mistakes, and I certainly have made mistakes. But what Jesus demonstrates for us is the priority and purpose of mission above trying to keep everybody in. The 11 disciples. And then it says, it says the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them when they saw him they worshipped, but some doubted. They worshipped, but some doubted. It's fascinating to me that lines like this are included in the Bible. If this was all made up, there would be no mention of doubt. There'd be no mention of, of, of any of these core 11 people, those that are left to, to be the foundational pillars of the church that Jesus would build in the world to reach all of the lost. If this was all made up, these saints would be whitewashed in a sense. They would be holy and pure and perfect, but we're told they worshipped, but some doubted. And so this speaks to me of the authenticity of this moment as we have it recorded. But it also speaks to me that, that Jesus commissioned them all, worshippers and doubters altogether. together. That, that he didn't hold back from commissioning them to mission until they were completely free from doubt. He didn't hold back uh, until they'd sorted out all of their faith and all of their questions were answered and, and they'd uh, worked out all of the theological understanding that they felt they needed to be a, a, a worthy proclaimer of the gospel. They worshipped but, but some of them doubted and Jesus commissioned them all. He didn't hold back from commissioning his followers to mission in the midst of doubts, and so nor should we. In the midst of our fears and doubts, we have still been commissioned for mission. Jesus is not waiting for you to have it all sorted out before you take up this commission to be about Jesus' mission. And so then... In this context of 11, not everyone brought the fullness of the journey. Some had left this embryonic church so that the church could stay on mission. Some still doubted, but, but Jesus still commissioned them to mission and, and this is the commission he gave. It says that he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so what's the mission? What's this great mission that has not changed over 2,000 years as much as the world has changed and changed and changed? What's this Mission that we're commissioned to? Well, it's go. That's the first thing. There's there's four things. And the first one is simply go. Go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. Four things. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach. See, go means we are a sent people. We are sent to all nations, Jesus says. We are sent to our own neighborhoods, to our own workplaces, to our own backyards, to our own families, to our own friends. We are not just accidentally where we are. Jesus has given us a commission, a mission to go. We are sent. In John's gospel, it's recorded that Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And so this morning I want you to grasp that you have been sent by Jesus into the very places you are. Unless you feel a calling to be somewhere else, that that the Holy Spirit is giving you a mission to be somewhere else. You're sent to be right where you are on mission. Jesus says go and he says make disciples. Make disciples. If you want to make something, it helps to know what it is you're making. And and so a disciple is a learner, a follower, a follower. A student of Jesus. It's it's someone who we set in motion towards Jesus, and it's freeing that Jesus didn't say go and make completely perfect, mature, holy saints. That, that's not the mission that he's given us because we can't do that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Our calling is to go and make disciples. It's to go and set people in motion towards Jesus, that they would become students, that they would become learners, that they would become followers just like you and I. We don't have to wait until we're perfect and free from doubt before we jump into mission and, and our task isn't to make perfect People. We're to go, we're to to make disciples, and we're called to baptize. And so, baptism is a demonstration from that person that we're baptizing of their faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Baptism is kind of a burial. And a coming to life that, that remodels, that reimages Jesus' death and resurrection. and so it's a, a statement of faith that this person is not just in motion towards Jesus, but they've, they've turned their entire life over to trusting in Jesus' death and resurrection for their salvation. They've, they've experienced in that their own death and resurrection. It's a demonstration that they're not just learning about Jesus, they're not just part of the crowd, but they've chosen to enter into the new life that Jesus died and rose again to give them. And so we're called to go, we're we're called to make disciples, to set people into motion towards Jesus, and we're also called to lead them into this moment of turning their entire life over to him. And we're also called to teach. Go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. Teach them, Jesus says, to obey everything I have commanded you. And so what this means is we don't just set people into motion following Jesus. We don't just baptize them and give them a pat on the back and say, that was good, good luck, you're sorted, wait for eternity to come. We're in this constant process of our learning ourselves, but but teaching others what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, what it means to follow him, what obedience to God means. This is our mission, to go. We're sent to make disciples, to set people in motion towards Jesus, to baptize them that they might enter into salvation uh, through the commitment they make demonstrated in that act and and to teach them what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, There's elsewhere in scripture where this mission is articulated with different words and I think it helps just to to give a quick uh, view to those other portions of scripture just to add more language to what it means to be on mission. In Acts 1.8 we, we get a, another account of this same event and, and, and the words used there recorded by Luke in Acts 1.8 says that we are Christ's witnesses. Jesus says you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That, that this act of going, making disciples, baptizing and teaching is about being a witness bearing testimony to Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, the Apostle Paul says, we are Christ's ambassadors, that, that God makes his appeal through us, that people would be reconciled to God. And so Ben, on mission, it's, it's about being a witness. It's, it's about being an ambassador. Uh, in Luke 19.10, Jesus himself, uh, he's speaking of his own mission, but he sent us to continue the unfinished business of this mission. He simply says, I have come to seek and to save the lost. And I love that because that just boils it down to one graspable sentence. Yes, it's about going, making disciples, baptizing, teaching, but, but simply at its essence, the mission we're called to is to go and seek and save the lost. Because that is what people truly are apart from Christ. That is the why of this mission. We might ask ourselves sometimes, and, and, we, and, and even I've had these thoughts and doubts of like, shouldn't we just let people be? We live in a culture where people, I guess, tolerate our our, our faith at the level of that's good for you. That's your truth. I'm glad you've got that truth. It's just it's just not my thing. And so the temptation is to, to, to just let people. Be, And we certainly should be gracious and not offensive and forceful in inappropriate ways, but, but we can't claim to love and simply let people be because they are lost apart from Jesus. Uh, the why of this mission is summed up very succinctly in Acts chapter 4, verse 12 in, in uh, Peter on the day of Pentecost, or well, sorry, after the day of Pentecost, preaching to the crowds. Uh, about uh, the importance of, of giving our lives to Jesus. Uh, this is a few days ahead in the stories, but, but in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, uh, Peter says this. This is the why of mission. He says, Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Salvation is found in no one else. That's the why. We go, we make disciples, we baptize, we teach them what it means to follow Jesus for that simple truth because there is no other name. There is no other hope. There is no other salvation apart from faith in Jesus Christ. And so we can't simply sit back and watch the world quite literally go to hell in a handbasket. It's not about, you know, the the culture of this world and and yes, we're called to transformation in this world, but, but it is people's eternity at stake. The world has changed over and over again, but our mission has not. How do we make disciples? Well, actually, this May was going to be the May that we're going to really launch our our personal uh, disciple-making venture as a church and be releasing resources to that. And so we've had to change track a little bit. Uh, we we're going to be talking about each one reaching one. We we're going to be talking about our faith focused forward. And we're going to still do that, but that, that's just held over for a little bit. But I, I don't want to leave you this morning because uh, the danger is we talk about being on mission and then we don't give you any tools to be able to do that. And so I don't want to leave you this morning without giving you a little bit of that. How do we make disciples? How do, how do we be on mission? Well, firstly, we need to be a disciple. Don't give up your own following of Jesus. Don't pause at that moment of doubt. Don't pause at that moment of like, oh, well, I'm in. I'm part of a church and and yeah, that's it. Be a fervent follower of Jesus. Uh, Secondly, it's about prayer. Making disciples is about praying for those that don't know Jesus, praying for opportunities that that we might be able to speak to them about that, but praying that the Holy Spirit would move in their life. Praying for them by name, praying for our community, praying. It's about building relationships. The greatest context in which we're able to lead people to Jesus is in the midst of genuine relationships. So we don't want to build bait-and-switch relationships that, that are really just a, a, a kind of a, a deceptive way of trying to nudge people into Jesus. We, we want to build genuine relationship. But it's hard to make disciples if we don't know people well who don't know Jesus. So we be disciples, we pray, we build relationship and, and we also invite them into community. That might mean inviting them into church and the advantage at the moment when our live stream is working properly um, is that we can share that. It's quite easy to invite people into at least a a version of community at the moment. And for that reason we're we're, uh, hoping to be able to continue some form of streaming uh, even when things go on to the new normal. Uh, but it might mean inviting them into a life group scenario. It might mean creating a new form of Jesus-shaped community that they can connect with. There's people who've created book clubs and, and, and you know, coffee groups and, and all kinds of things that, that aren't what we really think of necessarily as church, but, but it's an opportunity to invite people into Jesus-shaped community. And it also means sharing Jesus. It doesn't mean we all need to be pulpit evangelists or soapbox on the corner of Kuma Street evangelists, but but we need to be looking for those opportunities where we can share Jesus with others. Elsewhere in the Bible it talks about just simply being ready to give an answer for the hope that you possess. Simply living a life that 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 begs an answer to the question, what is it about you? And being ready to simply share that well it's Jesus. You don't need to be a theologian or a gifted evangelist to simply share the reason for the hope you have in Jesus. So be a disciple, pray, build relationships, invite people into community, share Jesus, and, and also trust in the Holy Spirit. In, in this story, in, in moments to come, next Sunday, in fact, the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. Uh, These 11 disciples and those who are the nucleus of, of that church, about 100 people, we believe, received the Holy Spirit and were empowered for mission. And so as we pray for others, we also want to pray that the Holy Spirit would empower us to be bold for mission. The world will continue to change. We don't know what the new normal looks like. I don't know when we'll be able to come back together with more than one, two, three, four people in the room this morning. I don't know when that will happen. I don't know what that will look like when it does happen. But what I do know is that our mission will not change. Our mission has always been, will always be, until Christ's return to go to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach. Or in Jesus' words, simply to seek and to save the lost. I'm going to pray. We're going to worship one final time. And then we're going to jump into a conversation uh, with some cross-cultural workers in Central Asia. Um, But let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning even in the midst of the difficulties we've had, we thank you this morning for the opportunity we have had to worship, for the opportunity we have had to engage in your word. And so I pray for all of us, including myself, that, You would help us to reprioritize your mission for our lives. I pray for the empowering of the Holy Spirit that we would be bold and courageous as we seek and save the lost. In the name of Jesus. Amen.